Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. New episode every Thursday. Your ultimate source for vital social issues and stuff. Vital Social Issues and Stuff. Here is where we talk about movies and books and... We love Roy. We love Married with Children, music, and all sorts of things that aren't vital but are vital... More Roy! ...to our very lifeblood. We don't talk about the important issues. That too, see? We talk about issues that are important to us. Thursday, 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 a new episode of Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Every Thursday. Every goddamn Thursday. Chris and John Wayne. Same Chris time, same John Wayne channel. Welcome to John Wayne Lied to You, the storytelling podcast featuring me, your friendly friend, that's friendly of the fun friends, John Wayne, that's right, wow, I just keep getting better at that, huh, hundred and some episodes, whatever, I'm John Wayne, you know that, I'm here, back again, in Wayne Manor, of course, uh, nestled in the East Wing, in the Library of Evil, where I uh, spend most of my time residing, if you will. Um, and I will. Thank you. So, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I very much appreciate you all. I hope that you're well. Here we are, a whole nother time. What a time it is. Um, another week of, uh, whatever this is that we're living in, and, uh, boy, are we just having fun. So, uh, yeah, this, uh, before we get too, too far, I just want to give major shouts out to my Patreon supporters. What's up, guys? Shouts out to you all. I love you and appreciate you so, so, so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you do and for your support. Uh, it's very, very awesome of you, and it's, uh, keeping me going. But anyway, uh, so thanks, guys, so much. If you would like to check out my Patreon and maybe, uh, throw Uncle Johnny a couple bucks, go on over to patreon.com slash John Wayne is dead. And, uh, while you're over there, you can join one of the tiers that I have set up, uh, with all kinds of goodies that you get, uh, monthly or, or, you know, uh, one-time gifts and things like that that I, plus I send surprises. I put videos up there. I do all kinds of stuff, uh, because I very much appreciate anyone who supports me in that way. Uh, but any tier you join uh, on my Patreon will get you access to the awesome Dude for Life boner bonus podcast that I also do every week. And that is where I talk to the people that I've, I've talked about on this podcast and, uh, you know, have been on my social media with all the people that I meet out there on the road, fellow artists with, throughout all kinds of mediums. And uh, it's a really great time that I have and great conversations. So any tier on my Patreon gets you access to that show. It comes out every Monday as um, uh, as well as John Wayne Lied to You. And uh, there are uh, 30 back uh, episodes as well now that you have access to as well if you join. So it's it's a lot of fun. So check it out. But uh, as always, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Uh, but for now, um, you know, hey, it's been uh, another... Here's the main thing that I'm dealing with right now this week. Uh, it is, you know, I, I talked about, I've talked about this leading up to here, but it's this, it's this Indianapolis Days of the Dead convention that is supposed to be at the time of this recording. Now, you know, I record on Sundays. It comes out on Monday. It's supposed to be at the end of this week, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I would be leaving on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, a two and a half days or a day and a half from now, whatever. And, uh, and I'm kind of, you know, I don't know how I feel, honestly, they, as of the, as of me recording this on Sunday morning, they still have not canceled that thing. Everything else around it, you know, more things have been canceled that are in August. I got more cancellations on like the odd markets and stuff like that are canceled. Other places I was going to be are canceled. But for some reason, this Indianapolis one is just Every day, we're doing it. We're having it. And I love Days of the Dead, and I love going to the conventions. You know that I've talked, you know, a lot about how much I miss that aspect of, of my, you know, life from this. 
And, uh, you know, and I was very adamant about, I got to get back out there. We got to start stuff up again. We got to do this, uh, you know, but I, I don't know if any of us really knew how long this was going to last, the severity until it started to really set in. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I, I, yesterday they announced uh, a bunch of cancellations, too, of, of celebrities. Um, you know, Richard Dreyfus canceled, which he was a big name. Uh, you know, Danielle Harris has canceled. Uh, she was, you know, from Halloween 4 and 5 and some other stuff. She's, she's always a big draw, I think, and uh, she's usually there. Uh, the, I guess some Star Wars Knights of Ren people were supposed to be there. I don't know what Star Wars stuff is, but my friend uh, Monsignor told me that they, or Nick Pete said they canceled as well. So there's a lot of, uh, oh, and the whole, like, uh, Night of the Living Dead or Days of the, what is it? Uh, Return of the Living Dead cast, I think, was supposed to be there, and they all canceled. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. It, it, it really is, right now it's at a frustrating point because... I guess I have to say, like, you know, leading up to this, I really did expect it to be canceled. I just didn't see how they were going to do it with everything else falling by the wayside, you know, throughout this time getting postponed or canceled completely. And I was like, I don't know how they're going to do this. <clears throat> but it seems like it, you know, is still, you know, very much going on. Now, I don't know how they're going to do it because there is uh, some, you know, restrictions on that I read on, uh, the amount of people that they can have in there that they announced, they announced it actually on the, on the site that it was like 250 people at a time, uh, were supposed to be allowed in the, you know, in the convention at a time. Um, I don't know if that means just like, you know, cause the area is kind of split up. So I'm not sure if it's just like, you know, once you pass the ticket holder, you know, that counts as one, you know, and then, it, then it keeps going or it's a room basis. I don't know, but that's not 250, uh, guests, that's 250 people total. So you have to roll in um, the staff of the hotel. You have to roll in um, – well, the staff of the hotel is going to be working the area. You have to roll in all the vendors and, and you know, their crews or whatever. It, you know, not like everyone's rolling with crews, but almost everybody comes with at least one person with them. You know, I go out and do them by myself a lot of times uh, when I can't – you know, when – schedules don't line up or we can't get Nick out there with me or whatever. But, you know, more often than not, I'm going to have one person and, and you got to think about that. So that, that right there, I would say you've got half of your capacity cut just because you have all the people that are, that are actually in there, the vendors, the celebrities, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, man, how the fuck are they going to do this? Like, what is going on? I, and I, I honestly have been going really back and forth about this in my head, you know, all week, all week. Wednesday, you know, Nick P was over here. We were writing and doing stuff. And he uh, he said, you know, we were both talking about, I can't believe this thing isn't fucking canceled yet, but he's not going to be able to go because he's got some commitments here. And, uh, oh, man, I forgot to say I got my coffee because I was about to take a big old swig of my coffee and my drink coffee, Hill Satan mug. Thank you, Chris and Alicia. I got a, I got my Topo Chico, of course, and a, a nice pipe of Grandpappy's Medicine. I already been working on that this morning. Mm -mm. But I've been, you know, Nick said, so he said he's not going to be able to go. And I was like, man, that sucks because at least I would have, if I would have him with me, it, it would be something. And you know, a couple other vendors that I know from the road have texted me that are going to be there as well. And are like, hey, are you still going? I'm like, yeah, as far as I know, this was, you know, leading up to today, like this week or whatever. Just looking at it. And uh, I just, I really was like, yeah, I guess I'm going. Fuck it, you know. Um, but honestly, after, like yesterday and, and, and this morning, the more I think about it, it's like, man, is this really fucking smart? You know, what What is the thing here? You know, I don't want to... You know, we we obviously have fucked things up by by everyone opening too soon. I mean, whatever has gone on, especially Texas, um, it's one of the hot states uh, for that. And I can't, you know, I I'm not just I'm not sitting here about to drop my decision on you right now of whether I'm going to go or not. If they have it, it's really going to have to be a game time decision. But I really don't know what the value in me going up there would be if, you know, because you read the comments on the posts on their Facebook, the Days of the Dead Facebook for this event, people are like, I already canceled my tickets, I canceled my hotel, I'm getting my money back, 
You know, I don't know why they don't just cancel this. What is going on? How are they going to have this event? This is going to be, you know, all kinds of negative remarks about, you know, but legitimate claims. They're not just, you know, being shitty to be shitty. It's people that are genuinely like, hey, how are you still having this? All of the major celebrities are are canceled, uh, you know, and who knows who else is canceled that hasn't maybe been announced yet or, you know, who knows, man? Who knows? So it seems like a lot of people are pulling out. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be part of the problem by me driving my happy little fucking skinny tattooed ass up to Indianapolis and maybe, you know, I'm fucking John Wayne, uh, Superman, no sick, uh, extra power form, whatever. And I, I've had problems. What if I've had COVID like 11 times already and I don't even know it because I'm asymptomatic and I go up there and just... Uh, I'm, I unleash a second wave of Houston coronavirus onto Indianapolis. But I, that's just, I know I'm being silly, but it just seems dumb to be bringing up people from all over the country where it's everything you look at seems to be still raging out of control. And, and you're going to bring them all there, these vendors, in hopes that people are going to come out. Now, I know people are starved for, for things to do. And I know some people have that attitude of like, we don't fucking care, we'll go and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's great. Uh, but if you're not coming you know not, not all those people are like coming to the convention and i don't know how much i want to be around some people like that to be quite honest with you uh no offense but you know the it just it just seems weird it just seems like uh i don't know i don't know what the right thing to do is i i, I don't and i certainly don't want to get myself sick like that's just uh something i you know joke about like i i don't ever get sick I'm, and i and i really don't I haven't been really sick in like years and years, but what if I, you know, it's because I'm doing good down here and then I go up there and, you know, just so I can sell a couple books, I end up, you know, going down for a few weeks because I get really sick. Who knows? I don't know. These are all the things going through my mind. Uh, and it's just really coming down to whether I think this is going to be worth it or not. Now, I do I want to go with all my heart? Do I want to go? Uh, I want to just i've you know it's an inside of me to bursting out like go you gotta go drive drive to canada who cares fuck it you know that's that's where i'm at and i know that but i also you know the time the time like i i think i talked about last week you know there's there's things that are setting in where okay you know it's time to you know stop this uh kind of well once we get back to normal because you know, things, there's things that have changed that, that are going to be different for a long time and they're, and they're going to be different permanently. And last week I was talking about, you know, coming to terms with those things and then looking at how to operate now. You know, how, how do I uh, positively look at those things rather than, you know, constantly viewing, you know, not being able to be on the road as this huge detractor uh, and detracting thing from my, from my whole career and my progress. I need to look at this, uh, you know, just solve this puzzle a different way. And that's what I'm, you know, trying to do, you know, lately and keep my mind, you know, kind of around that. And I don't know if, if going to this convention is going to be the right thing to do. I want to with all of my heart. And I just don't know. I hope here's the other conundrum is this, that the hotels already sent out emails to everybody because people were commenting about this. Uh, I got one. It's like, you know, hey, we can't wait to see you here at the Marriott. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome. We're taking safety measures, whatever. But then it's like, just a reminder, uh, there's a 48-hour cancellation policy or um, you are charged one night's stay. So that's a – that I would really, really be upset if on – if they really waited to the last minute, like if t if they're if they're teetering on whether to make an announcement or do this, they I think they need to do it on Monday, on today, and maybe they have by the time you're listening to this, and we know I don't know, but I'm gonna be sure sure fire upset if they wait till Tuesday to cancel, and then uh, my I'm supposed to check in on Thursday, and then the the hotel gives me some grief about like, well, we're going to have to charge you for one night because that's like a double loss. You know, I'm not going there to make the sales anyway. And then I got to pay for a room for one night that, you know, so it's, it's all of these things, man. I don't know. Some, some people probably like, Oh, just cancel today, dude. It's Sunday. You're doing this recording this just cancel. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. 
Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But that is what's been vexing me mostly this entire week. That's what's kind of comprised my, uh, you know, and taken up my mind share uh, a lot this week. But, you know, not, not all of it was centered around that. Mm. I did get to uh, spend some, some good quality time with a friend of mine I haven't seen in a while. Um, my friend Dana, shouts out Dana, uh, Dana Graham. She was on uh, my uh, Awesome Dude for Life Boner bonus podcast uh, several episodes ago. And I, I don't think I've actually maybe seen her once or twice since. But then all this happened and I haven't seen her at all. So she was uh, doing some stuff at her studio and I went just stopped by to visit her for a little bit, sit outside and shoot the shit. And uh, it was nice to catch up with her and <clears throat> see what, you know, uh, I urge you guys to check out uh, Bad Wolf Art Collective, the Houston, Texas one, and Dana Graham or Miss Marie King. Or, uh, she goes under a couple things. Her tattoo name is Octoboros, so at Octoboros. You know, they they had a lot of things on the books, a lot of events that were set up for this year uh, with their art collective that, of course, now are no more. You know, nothing has, has happened. So that kind of... Uh, you know, put, you know, was, that's going to stall out anybody. So, um, but yeah, she's working hard and she's got her, her team in there still trying to do it. So check them out and check out Dana, uh, check out her tattoo work at, at Octoboros. She's tattooed me uh, a couple of times and she is awesome. So that was, you know, it was good to connect with somebody I haven't seen in a while and uh, even better to be able to sit, you know, outside and, and speak uh, not through a computer screen. So that was, that was pretty cool. And it was good to catch up, see what was going on with her art and stuff. Um, outside of that, I've really been keeping myself busy with, uh, I'm, I'm writing this, this third book of this kind of thing that I've talked about that's turned into this weird series that I'm writing. And, uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that, working a lot of, uh, working a lot on that. There's a lot of action and crazy shit going on in this book that I'm having a lot of fun writing. But outside of writing stuff, I, uh, you know, if, if I, if I remembered to put it in there at the beginning of this episode, before the episode started, there should be a, com a bit of a commercial there for, uh, the, the new podcast I started doing with fellow author and uh, awesome dude Christopher Triana called Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. And we've had our third episode go up uh, this past Thursday, and it, a new one comes out every Thursday. And we've been having a lot of fun with that, recording those, and I'm doing all the editing. Like I said last week, the video editing, all that kind of stuff. That commercial I put together because somebody actually reached out to us and said, hey, we want to promote you on our podcast if you you know if you throw together a radio style commercial we'll play it and uh that uh, shouts out dude chris chad chad the cloud yeah shouts out thank you for that and um yeah so i was like yeah I can, I, this is multi-purpose so i can use this for something else so I, I so i stuck it on here just for fun but that's been a lot of fun as well so i urge you to check out that podcast too if you haven't uh yet you know it's it's very different from this one it's me and me and Chris talking, you know, uh, about stuff that we like. It's not about real vital so social issues. It's about Batman and, you know, the Corys and Joel Schumacher and all these are earnest, you know, all kinds of crazy shit that we talk about. And uh, the, there's a video version of the, you can see the video of us doing it um, on you on our YouTube page that we have vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. You can go to chrisandjohnwayne.com. I set that up. So everything's right there. So I've been editing this video, doing all this kind of fun stuff to keep me, uh, keep me busy and and kind of chilled out and while I kind of figure all all of this stuff out um but yeah so that's been that's been keeping me pretty busy uh but what I think um I think we will go ahead right now and just jump into our our tarot reading of the day as you know or do not know I do a three card tarot reading on myself before every episode I just sit down and I write you know what's been on my mind this week the things that I'm thinking about and kind of uh, just re-examine those to get a new perspective, uh, you know, under the kind of prism of the cards. The cards! Uh, so it's fun. So um, this week, uh, sorry guys, I didn't, uh, I'm not sick, I just did a huge rail of coke, so. Haha, <laughs> anyway. Um, so this week, what's been on my mind is, you know, patience, staying patient. I talked about, you know, I was just talking about this, whole, you know, go go or don't go, is this convention happening too early in this whole thing? And it's, you know, been making me think like, okay, do I just need to be even more patient? 
uh, with things. So that's been on my mind. Uh, acceptance. Also, you know, acceptance of things that are changed, acceptance of things that are going to change, maybe accepting the fact that there will be no conventions this entire year, that, that kind of stuff. You know, like I was talking about earlier, just accepting these things and, and f- then moving on to figure out the next way or the new way or whatever we, what I can do. Uh, formulate plans. Just, you know, again, that goes back to putting together a plan for this new situation that, that you know, I have to navigate. Uh, problem solving, always smart decisions and focus. So all of those things kind of are around how am I going to move forward with what I'm, with what I'm doing and, and, you know, grow, grow in my success and, and continue to be successful. So first card I drew was the page of wands. So you know, page cards are all about the beginning and a, a good energy starting off something, inspiration type thing. And that's, uh, you know, no, ex- no uh, exception with this, this page. Uh, so this, the page of wands is, uh, is down, down to do anything. Like you are just, somebody says, hey, let's go uh, throw an elephant off a, you know, off a building onto a, a playground. And you'd be like, let's do it, you know? you're ready, you're down for whatever the idea is, whatever the opportunity is, you're good to go. You're, you're all about embracing, you know, a new opportunity because you want to see where it takes you. You know, you want the story out of it, at least, you know, at least you know that, you know, you're going to get something out of this. So you, you're more willing to just, yes, I'm going to go and just try this out. And you're uh, kind of okay with just doing that without necessarily putting a plan together or knowing what the plan is beforehand because this is just some very this is an exciting thing and it's it's just for these possibilities to see where it kind of goes right um this card says you you know you're someone who has a knack for coming up with creative ideas um without being weighed down by the burdens uh of everyday life now that in that saying you know this is a double-edged sword because It's saying you, know, you come up with these ideas that are really creative and imaginative to, to solve problems because you're not necessarily, you know, your, your mind isn't uh, conditioned already to before you start coming up with solutions, you're, you're kind of already coming up with more problems, you know, where you're like, okay, I got to solve for this. So if I do this, but, you know, that's going to da 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 and you're, you know, it's all analytical problem solving like that, where you're like this, then that, then that, then this. This kind of problem solving and, and ideas are not considering any of those things and just like, let's do this. And that's a great energy to have. And you can come up with a lot of cool things and, and inventive things. However, uh, it's, it's very important that if you, you know, you're, you, you're experiencing this kind of energy and you're acting out like this on it, that, that you do have make sure that this idea is is rooted in reality. Make sure that you actually can uh, deliver on this. This is something that can be done. You know, it's great to have these ideas and not worry about the, you know, whatever consequences or extra things you have to think about. However, if you, you know, actually implementing it, you need to start bringing these aspects into it. Can this be implemented in a physical sense? And then map this out one thing at a time, you know, to, to, to pull this off. And you might even want to do some smaller kind of test runs, experiments, if you will, in however you, you can to, to just maybe even test your, your, your idea a little bit further before you really invest time and, and energy and money or whatever into it. Um, and also, it's, you know, while you're doing all this, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to just like say, fuck it and do whatever. But, but really, especially once you start going into this and putting time into it, make sure this is something that is in line with, you know, your higher goal, with where you're going. And it's not, you're not just spinning your wheels and, uh, and stuff. Um, sorry, I was getting texts from Christopher Triana, my, uh, my other podcast partner. We're always in contact, constant contact. Mm. So also, y- you know, you feel, you feel that there's a you know, spiritual path calling to you. Um, and, and you're curious as to where it might lead. That's, that's what kind of this opportunity may be something like that. Um, and you're open to the experience and you're excited because you're, you know, you're very interested in discovering new forms of consciousness and connecting with yourself in that way. 
you know, in any kind of spiritual sense. So if it is, you know, this basically, if it is something like that, you know, that might be the right opportunity to, uh, to take right now, just head on without, you know, with using this energy of like, blah, blah, you know, going and, uh, you know, and that can help you with your higher path, you know, all of these things, letting the energy flow. If it's a spiritual thing you need to get in line, then definitely take that path right now, I guess. Next card I got, Ace of Cups reversed. This is the card of self-love. In in the deck of tarot, this is the main card of taking your, your love and loving yourself, baby, because you are worth it. Um yeah, so this card is saying, you know, love yourself before you send your love out into the world to share with everybody like you do, you know, share it, send it to yourself first, fill yourself up with that, that divine happiness that you're, you know, that you like to put out and give to everyone else. So, and the more that you do that, you make sure you're filled up with it and, and giving it out, the more it's going to flow back and forth. You know, it'll be easy. You'll be filled up with it already. Uh, you'll be loving yourself, uh, you know, with both hands, baby. But, you know, it's, that's important to love, love ourselves before we start giving that love out to, to everybody else. Um, again, this, is, this also kind of, from the last card, talking about the spiritual sense or the path there, this is asking us to connect with our subconscious uh, right now to get better in tune with our intuition and discover how to bring more of an intuitive flow to your life. And that you know, is kind of like with the connecting on the spiritual level, seeing where this is going to lead you, uh, you know, new forms of consciousness here, you know, uh, how you're going to bring into intuitive flow into your life down here. You know, they're very, they're parallels, um, that go together quite well. You may, and so you, you're okay. Let me see. Hold on. Um, yeah. So it's all getting that intuition to flow. Just like I said, the self-love, keeping that flowing. Um, but on, on the other end of that, it's, uh, we need to be sure that we're not, that we're not repressing, uh, so much emotion or this or some emotion at all. Uh, you know, we, we may have feelings that we're not ready to express publicly and we're, we're kind of keeping them close to the vest. That's fine. That's fine. But you know, when make sure you get them out in some way, you know, privately, uh, if, if, if that's the case, just uh, maybe journaling or blogging or drawing, whatever it is, getting in your car and screaming at the top of your lungs. However, you need to get this out privately. You need to do that because otherwise you risk this emotional blockage that that's going to gum up the works, if you will. And then all that thing, all that work we've been doing on flow and energy flowing back and forth is all mucked up. And then we're probably going to have some explosion where we'll yell at somebody that's, you know, completely misdirected and, and it just goes on from there. So it's very, very important that even if, if it's something you're not comfortable sharing, or you don't want to tell anybody, or you just want to deal with yourself for a while first, that's fine. Just, just, just find some way to express it so that you don't just... Uh, you know, get bottled up, keep it bottled up. And last card that I got, the Eight of Pentacles. I like this card a lot too. This is a, a hard working card. You know, this is, says you're working extremely hard to master your craft and improve your skills, uh, your determination, your concentration, your diligence, all of these things that go into your craft, you're, you're paying very close attention to uh, because you're very dead set on mastering this craft. Um, you know, you've thrown yourself into it. You're like, this is what I'm doing. And when you do this kind of thing, you find that through, through your perseverance and through, you know, constant attention and focus on this, you create success. It, it's, it's just, I mean, I want to say it's just that simple. It's not simple. There's a lot of hard work, but when you'll see, when you start really dedicating this, this focus and, uh, you know, Un, unwavering focus and, and perseverance in your craft, you'll see that success start to come. You, you will be creating it through all of this hard work that you're doing. Uh, some, uh, this, the card suggests also it may, you know, may look, you may want to look at uh, further education to master this skill set. So, you know, in the case of, so, so me as a, uh, myself as a writer, you know, all the things that I can do by myself here to improve uh, my, my writing you know, maybe I'm doing all of that, but it's like, man, you know, I really want to get better at X, Y, Z. So I jump on, you know, I, all I can do is go online. I mean, I jump online and I find a, a workshop that's 
that's uh, going to be a Zoom workshop on, you know, plot structure or some of the ones I've been, some actual ones I've been to before, like writing a killing scene or uh, uh, some dialogue exercises or world building, those kind of things. So just, uh, you know, for this, for my, you know, personal example, that's the kind of thing, you know, I want to focus on the more, you know, finely tuned aspects of, of your craft. That's when you go out and try to find, you know, find somebody who is a master of that aspect or a master of the craft and, and learn from them, you know, pay close attention to detail, uh, you know, when, when you're doing this and, uh, also know, know that being a master does not come overnight. It may be really great to say like, I'm going to master my craft and I'm working hard to do it, but, uh, it takes a while. It's not like a three week course by mail. It's not a, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's not a lottery ticket. It's a lot of work. Um, but it's worth it. It's worth the, that effort and time. Uh, and, and you will, you will succeed again. You'll create success. You'll create your mastery by, by working and fine tuning and really paying attention. Uh, also, uh, be encouraged right now to keep, keep doing what you're doing. Be encouraged because it's going to lead to success. You've, you've experienced some successes already and you know, you know, you see the, uh, the result of your hard work in these aspects. And now it's like, okay, now it's time to turn it towards these bigger things and, and be encouraged because, you know, we're working to our ultimate goal, working to be the best version of ourselves, working to be the master of our craft. Um, and we're doing all the things and, and we should be encouraged in that and not, uh, doubt ourselves, you know, not start slipping into self-deprecation and stuff like the ace of cups reverse self-love, you know, start there. If that's what, you know, if that's where the lacking is and, you know, just, yeah, just be encouraged. And I'm looking at these cause I'm looking up across the three spread, uh, of these. And I think that this is a very, this is a, this was a good spread, you know, uh, together. Yeah, just we go back to the page, you know, coming up with these creative ideas, you know, ready to see what what shit brings you. You've got that excitement, the ace of cups, you know, you're filling up yourself with love. You're getting your mind and spirits set up and, you know, all on the correct course so that, you know, with the eight of pentacles, you jump in and you just start that ultimate focus on your craft after you've already, you know, now you're, you're not going to doubt yourself. You're full of you're full of love and confidence now. You're not going to. um get, you know, burnt out or tired because you have that spark, that energy, and you've taken the time to plan some of those things and, and look at it and make sure things are feasible and realistic. And then you're working hard to master them. So, you know, that, that was a good reading. I got something out of that. I hope you did as well. Um, now I mentioned earlier, oh, I, I'm sorry. Um, I do, if you're into, you know, tarot or you're interested in learning more about tarot, I do a card of the day reading on my Instagram story every day. Every morning, um, at John Wayne is dead. If you check that out, it goes across to my Facebook story as well, and then it goes to my uh, the John Wayne is dead YouTube channel, which shows them so you can catch up or just watch to learn. It, this is just this helps me to learn. It helps with my kind of uh, with my intuition on things and with my interpretation and, and how I feel about them. So if you're interested, check it out. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. So uh, thank you guys for indulging me in that. Now, uh, I talked about earlier. I have a another podcast that uh, I do with Chris, but I also do a podcast for my Patreon that I referenced earlier, the Awesome Dude for Life Boner bonus podcast. And what I've been doing um, the last several weeks is taking a piece of the interview that's going to be in the that episode, the same the episode that comes out today, the same day as this one does over on my Patreon, and uh, just putting it in here so you guys can check out uh, my guests, get a little bit of, um, you know, get a little taste for them, a little feel for them. And uh, and hear what the podcast is all about. And then if you if you dig it, uh, come on over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash John Wayne is dead and uh, sign up and you'll get the full episode plus all the other episodes. Um, or at the very least, go check out the guest, uh, see what he's all about or they are all about um, this week. But this week uh, I talked to a good friend of mine, uh, fellow author. Um, he's a publisher. Great guy. Sam Richard. And uh, we had an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, he runs Weird Punk Books. Check that out. And uh, we're going to listen to a little bit of that right here. You are also, you're an author as well. And you also uh, have taken over. You're the head editor-in-chief in charge 
uh, HBIC of weird punk books, right? Yep. Hell yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about weird punk. Uh, sure. Yeah. It was initially started by Emma Alice Johnson back, in, uh, back in 2015. So we could do the uh, Gigi Allen anthology that we edited and published blood for you. And so we did that together, and then we did the Misfits anthology together, and then we were working on Zombie Punk's Fuck Off, which at that point she was like, I'm kind of done editing, like co-editing these, why don't you just edit it and I'll just publish it? And so I was like in the middle of doing that when my wife died, and so that took, like I obviously couldn't do anything for a long time, so that took an extra year. It was really important for me to finish that project because she had like everything I had done, she was so supportive and always like, you know, my, my biggest support. Uh, so it was really important for me to get that done. And at the time when I was like kind of ready to move on with that, Emma was like, you know, I'm just kind of like, don't really want to do this anymore. I think I just want to do other stuff. So why don't you have weird punk? Like yeah. you just take it. It's yours. Do what you want with it. And I was like, okay, well I have this book that's done and I've now run this press essentially, but I didn't really know like the kind of back end stuff for doing the to, for publishing. I didn't know how to lay out the format. I didn't even know how to upload or like where to have it put in print on demand. I like knew none of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, but I really wanted to like just get over, like get done with that book, like have it out in the world, be able to kind of process and move on. Uh, so I reached out to Clash. And they agreed to co-publish it with me. So they kind of handled the back end stuff. We kind of split the money going in and coming out. And, and then after that, it was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to, I, I actually need to be a publisher. Uh, so I decided like, all right, well, I'm going to just fucking do this. So Brendan Vedito and I had talked that same uh, week. The Bizarro Con that I met you was also the first time I met Brendan. Mm-hmm. And that weekend that we met we talked about how somebody needed to do a david cronenberg and like tribute anthology yeah and so that was the seed from which the new flesh was born uh so then that was kind of my first release as weird punk just me doing everything like he co-edited it with me but all of the publishing side stuff was like me stumbling through and figuring that out and figuring out how to do layout and figuring out how to have set up print on demand and where you know, how to upload it and all that bullshit. Uh, And that kind of became a turning point for the press, I think, where, uh, like, obviously everything before that, the three anthologies we had done before that were heavily music, Mm. punk music influence, which was sort of Emma's initial vision for the press, was where punk and weird fiction meet. I think for me, and like, I certainly, punk is a big part of what I love. It's a passion. It's a, you know, something I've been involved in, like the, punk and metal DIY scene is something I've been involved in since like high school. Uh, But it's not necessarily like my only passion. So it's kind of like thinking about if I'm going to run this press, what other things do I want to do with it? What things are more reflective of who I am? Uh, And that's the only way it's going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to keep wanting to put the time into it is if it's really in line with like what I'm passionate about. And so the Cronenberg book was kind of the first turn to that. And then now I, I've made the switch and because uh, anthologies are really fucking expensive to produce. Uh, especially oh, if are they? Yeah. Oh, because I mean, oh, you have to pay everybody individually. That's right. Yeah. So I, I refuse to do an anthology and not pay a penny a word. I mean, I would, if I had money, I would pay more. But like anything less than a penny a word for short stories seems like an insult. Like as a writer, no. like I won't really sub to stuff that doesn't pay. I mean maybe here and there kind of depending my discretion but just, yeah you know. it definitely it definitely depends i i have this site i go to and look at calls like yeah. it, almost daily that say what's open and sometimes the pay is like it's like five thousand word story uh ten dollars and kindle copy and i'm like what what yeah well, why don't i just go fuck myself now and we'll just skip this whole step where I send you a story. Yeah. You know, and that, th- those are the things like, you know, back, like you said, use your discretion. There's cer- certain things you'll look at like, oh, I want to be a part of that. I don't care that the pay yep. is shitty or I like these people. So I'm going to submit to them. Yeah. But yeah, like, especially the more like I've gotten in my career, I just can't even like a five, $10 story. I'm sorry, dude. Like that's, I can't do that right now. Yep. So yeah, that's exactly like, I'll do that for, like you said, like friends or like, I'll, 
I always expect like a zine is going to pay less, like a token payment. And if it's a mm. zine, like, sure, I'll do that. But you're talking like it's a real book and you won't even send me a physical copy. Like, absolutely fucking not. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. So I'm sorry I cut you off there. No, but, it's fine. So, yeah. so it sounds like so now you're doing all the setup, the back end yeah. stuff, the layout and all that shit. You're the you're the fucking whole deal. Yeah, I pay people to do the external art and whatnot, but I do the internal formatting because I really like that. But so I also like anthologies are so expensive that I was like, you know what, maybe now is the time for Weird Punk to start doing like solo works, specifically novellas. I think I'm most drawn to. I mean, I like short stories. I read short stories. I like novels. I read short or I read novels. But as a publisher, honestly, novellas are just easier because the editing process doesn't take days and days and days. The even yeah, the yeah. like reading through submission piles, it's like I'm not reading a bunch of eighty thousand word things to see if I like it. It's like, oh, they're twenty five to forty thousand words. It's a lot more manageable. Right, uh, right. So we, I just published the first two weird punk novellas. The first one is Joe Quinnell, uh, the Mud Ballad. And then the second one was my own Sabbath of the Fox Devils. And then sometime, like, like probably later summer, uh, the third one will be Roland Blackburn's um, 17 Names for Skin, which is also amazing. So trying to, like, keep that train going and, like, make this pivot to, like, no, like, let's do fucking, like, people's solo novellas. Yeah, start building up the, the press there. Get some get some names. Is this... um. Oh fuck! What was I gonna say? God damn it! <laughs> uh, I just lost my fucking. I do this all the time. Um. Oh, is this like? Uh, are you? Do you have like a? Is it primarily horror or bizarro or weird or what is like? What are you trying to do that in that angle? Horror generally. Um, it's it's hard to. Uh, so I I haven't done any like real true open submission calls, but what I've done is like on Facebook and the Twitter accounts and whatnot. I've said, like, send me your pitches for finished, like, things that you already have finished. Don't tell me about the thing you're going to finish. If you have a novella that's in the horror vein that's finished, send me a pitch. And then if I like the sound of it, I'll look at it. And I kind of realized through doing that that it's, like, really hard to express exactly what I'm looking for, which has got to be really annoying for everybody. So I'm sorry. But. (laughs) It's almost like like vibe and tone and atmosphere and influences or like kind of horror is so broad. Horror can mean so much to so many people that it's like I don't exactly know how to put into words the branch of horror that I'm looking for. But it's definitely things like a cross section of like weird fiction and body horror or like a splatterpunk attitude, but not necessarily like for its own sake, like it's, I still want it to be human. I still want it to have like emotion and pathos. And so, it, but it, I, I also like, I like things that are very dark, but like grimness when it's just grim becomes so flat. So it's like an element of humor can totally help, you know? So it, it's, I, I don't know to, to tell you the truth. I don't really know exactly what I'm looking for, except for like, here's a list of things that I like. And if it's kind of like this, maybe I'll like it. <laughs> Yeah, this actually, I had a conversation with uh, my buddy Rahul kind of about this same thing. Shouts out Rahul Rao at Coyote Bloodbath. He's a, he's a poet and a, um, uh, I don't know what to say, a performance artist. So he like has backing tracks and shit when he does, you know, his, his shows. And so he just, he's uh, just recording, he's recording this album right now. It's like seven tracks. And uh, he has this one song he was telling me about that he has, uh, he wants real drums on it. Like, uh, so he sent, the track to like five drummers here in Houston that are all like great drummers and all. And I was, cause the first thing I said, like, dude, are they all in the same genre that you sent these drums? No, he's like, no, no, no. I was like, okay, good. So we sent them and everything he's getting back is like, that's nah, not, that's not it. And he said, he's like, it's frustrating because I know what I want, but I can't necessarily articulate it. And, and you know, I just, and I was like, you're going to know it. You know it when you hear it. Right. And he's like, I'll know it when I hear it. And I was like, it's just that intangible thing that you never know what about, like, especially, you know, people may think drums, right? You're a musician. Drums are like, oh, that's straightforward. You're playing drums. No, you're not, dude, because you got people that can lay in that pocket and like really groove with you. You got some, some people have that sloppiness. I know like, uh, I, I like Jack White a lot. And back in the day when Meg White played drums and he would have 
another person play drums on White Stripe songs sound completely fucking different. Yeah. Uh, even though they're doing the same thing, Meg just plays like a sloppy, weird way of drums that that gives it that sound. So it is like that. And that's, you know, that's kind of how a lot of the presses and books are anyway. You know, it's like, yeah, we, there's a general overall thing you're looking for, but it doesn't restrict it or mean that, you know, it, something's off the, the table because it's out of that list or something. Yeah, exactly. That's like, so with um, Joe, uh, Joe Quinnell's book, The Mud Ballad, uh, they sent it to me because it's a good friend of mine, uh, that's Josie, is Joe Quinnell, uh, and uh, they sent it to me to just read as a friend, to kind of beta read it and edit it and see if, because they were going to sub- actually submit it to Grindhouse, and I read it and I was kind of already thinking like, oh, I want to do a like I want to extend the press into novellas and kind of what I was thinking is like, I'm a huge fan of the Della Biss line of books, like Kathy Koja and Poppy Z Bright and Dennis Exchison and, you know, all of those kind of nineties writers that did that weirder thing than most of the horror was experiencing or like putting out at the time. And so I was kind of thinking like what I want to do is kind of be a modern Della Biss ish thing and I read Josie's book and it's straight up like, I mean, it's absolutely her own voice. It's incredible, but it's like got a Lansdale vibe. Oh, cool. like Lansdale and uh, Catherine Dunn's geek love and nightmare alley kind of vibe. And it wasn't exactly what I was like thinking about for the press. And I, but I read it and I was like, I am absolutely want to publish this book. Like, this is fucking amazing. So it's like, even outside of what the parameters I had in my head were, but I just fell in love with it and thought it fit. And luckily they, you know, agreed to let me publish it. But yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I might have this list of things, but it's certainly not all inclusive. There's a lot of cool shit that I'd like to do. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to kind of, you don't want to put any necessarily strict limitations on yourself uh artistic wise i guess you know all right that was a little bit of me and sam chatting uh be sure to check him out sam richard check out weird punk books and the things that he's doing there and releasing um so yeah and also shoot on over to patreon.com slash john wayne is dead to you know join one of the tiers and get all of those episodes of the awesome dude for life boner bonus podcast plus a bunch of other great things so on to our story of the week. Um, you know, I was thinking back about band stuff. I was just, you know, uh, this thought hit me and I wrote it on my, my you know, story idea cue th- thing that I keep up. So when things hit me, I write them down. And, um, you know, this is actually back in, uh, you know, uh, back in my band days. So before we, you know, get into it, let's just go ahead and start. So let's go ahead. This, this uh, story is called... Take the last train to Shut Up's Bill. So, this story is back uh, in my uh, one of the first bands I played in, uh, or, or for for a long time, um, called Taint. I've told this story about Taint. I've had a couple of Taint stories uh, on here myself, <clears throat> but. That's this story is about them, and I, I, you know, always like lately it seems I'm, my maybe I fried my brain so much that I'm like, did I tell this story? Uh, I don't know, but I, I know I've talked about this. I, I told my mom this story, so uh, either way, here we go. So we used to. This is back in the early 2000s. Uh, I played in a band called Taint. We are a hard rock type of you know melodic band. We did some some weird sections because we were into prog rock that, but it wasn't really like it was just like a hard rock band. And we had a lot of fun, um, but we we had to practice in uh, a pra- we had to find a practice space to rehearse in because uh, at the time none of us lived in uh, you know houses or anything. We were still I was going to college, you know, all that kind of stuff. We live in apartments. You can't have a five piece band practice in somebody's apartment. I don't care how cool your complex is, and um, you know, so we needed somewhere to practice, and we started looking. Uh, around now one of the more popular at least it was at the time and I I know it's still around probably just as popular today uh, practice space that's in Houston kind of down by the convention center and shit like kind of by Warehouse Live if you're familiar with the area it's a place called Francisco's and that's a uh, like a three or four story building 
that just, you know, each story is just practice rooms, just room after room, just rehearsal space. And you rent those rooms by the month, uh, if I am correct. And that's like your space. You, you have to put a lock on it and key, all that kind of stuff. And you keep whatever you want in there. It's your practice space. But it's just a room, right? You don't get anything else but electricity. So we, you have to have things. Like you have to have a PA or, or some kind of you know, way to sing or hear the vocals, some monitors at least. We didn't have any of that stuff. You know, We're starting out. We're just stupid kids anyway. Um, but we found this place that, that we could practice that did provide things like mics and a PA and a mixing board all in there in your room for you. And it was air conditioned and, and that was a big plus it being here in Houston. And we found this place it was called Soundcheck Studios. I do not believe it's still there. I tried to find it, but I don't think it's around anymore. This place was built in, um, it's, it's kind of like in an office park area where they converted like their entire section into these practice rooms. And there wasn't a lot of them. It was like Francisco's was tons of rooms, you know, four floors. This is just maybe seven or eight rooms. Some were, you know, there was maybe one that was a bigger room. Like maybe it was the main stage room, they called it or something like that. But it was just a little bit bigger. And you paid, I think at the time it was 20 or $25 an hour, uh, three hour minimum. And I know you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of expensive to do once a week, but split between five people, um, you know, and it was our, we did one practice a week and, you know, it was just, that's what you did. We had, we had no choice and we made it work and, and it really was worth it too, because these rooms were, like I said, nice and cool. The, the place is manned, like it's, it's open and closed, you know, it doesn't stay open all night. So someone is always there, uh, if something fucks up, uh, and, you know, you have everything, good mics, a good PA in there with, the, you know, the monitors right there. You could hear everything. It was a great, great setup. And the rooms, you know, I think they were as soundproofed as they could be, right? But, you know, your bands are fucking loud. Like, it wasn't like you went in there and shut the door and, you know, it was like you can hear a pin drop outside. No, you could still hear shit pretty loud. Uh, but if it's it wasn't to the point of, like, if you're in a room next to each other and someone was playing unless you're like just in there doing acoustic rock, but if you're two rock bands playing in rooms next to each other, you're not going to bother each other. You know, it's not like you're going to hear something that's going to throw you off. Uh, it, w it wasn't like that. At least I didn't think so. You know, we were just like, when we played, we, it, we just heard what was going on in the room. Um, so it was a great place. I mean, we, we practiced there for a long ass time and had, you know, a lot of adventures. This place also had, they provided like, um, these storage kind of locker setups there uh, that were, you know, pretty decent size and you could rent those by the month, I guess, or the week and store your shit in there so you didn't have to bring everything there because you couldn't leave anything in the room, you know, somebody else was going to come use it later. And and I wish, like looking back, it's like, man, why did I not take advantage of that? We, we, we Towards the end of like that band's run, we you started using the lockers and that was only because we got one for free because we were recording a, an album at the studio that was later on put into soundcheck. The recording studio was in there. So, you know, we, we left for recording stuff since we were going to be back to record sessions. They allowed us to keep some stuff in there, like the drums and shit and, and stuff like that. And then we ended up, you know, using them a few times here and there, but we should have been using them like all the time. Because I don't know why I thought that it was a... I would never, ever do this today. Uh, if I didn't have to bring my amp uh, to or from wherever I, my band is rehearsing, I am not going to. Like, if I can leave it there, it's staying there, you know? And it, hopefully I'm not lugging shit back and forth. That's the best way to do it now. But I think at the time, see, I lived in a, I, I lived in an apartment. I lived in apartments for you know a while, like till way after this. So it's not like I I could plug in my half stack and really rip it up. You know, I would practice through my half stack in my apartments, but it would be turned down so low. It, it would be like, why do I even have a half stack? Uh, you know, so it was stupid. I would just lug that thing back and forth. If it was raining, oh, I had a pickup truck. So I had an S10 pickup truck, and so I got these uh, blue tarps, and then my dad got for me, like, those kind of painting tarps. 
and I would just wrap up my shit in there in the back of the truck and, and drive on down downtown. And also, this was fucking, I was living, I was going to Sam Houston and was going to college, eat them up, cats, me, yeah. Uh, so I would sometimes be driving like over an hour to get there, like sometimes in the rain the whole time. Uphill both ways. Uh, no, but it was a pretty, I, I wish that we would have taken advantage of those fucking lockers, man. I think about it sometimes and I'm like, what were we thinking? We, we lugged so much shit and it would have cut down on our setup time and strike time because we just roll. Anyway, Soundcheck was a great, great studio to rehearse in. We got to uh, know the guys that worked there and ran it because we were, you know, there for a, a long ass time and we were so consistent. We all, you know, we, they weren't used to, I guess, they were used to bands coming in, maybe practicing a couple times and then quitting or bands breaking up or just whatever. Uh, sometimes bands just coming through town to rehearse there. And that is where our story uh, comes today. Now, like I said, sometimes when large bands would come through town, uh, they would be looking for a place to rehearse or run things or something like that. And that Soundcheck was one of those places that came up a lot for them i guess because one of the things was that you know that everything was there they didn't have to bring any other sound equipment just instruments or whatever but you know it, the ease of walking into a room that's kind of wired for sound ready to go is a big deal setting up a pa it's not hard but it sucks it's just long like shouts out to chris jet uh you know he and i and john wayne is dead shows putting that pa, PA up you know, taking it down from practice, loading it up, driving it to the, the bar, setting it up at the bar, playing the set, tearing it down is a pain in the ass. It's a lot of wires and shit. So that's like super convenient to have that and, and worth paying a little extra money for. So I, I don't think a lot of huge name, like blow your socks off bands came through there to practice uh, that I knew of or that I can remember. One I, I remember was, uh, I forget I forget what this band is even called, but I remember they were just fucking ripping it up, man, because we could hear them outside the room. We were like, whoa, dude, who is this? Like just, you know, you, this is a pro band. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And it was, I forget what they were called. It, they had some super young virtuoso guitar player here. That was from Houston, I think. But anyway, that 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 band ended up backing up uh, Kelly Osborne's band, uh, Ozzy Osborne's daughter. This was back when the Osborne's had a reality show on MTV, and they were, you know, the whole family became super popular. And Kelly Osborne did a music thing for a while. I, I think she, I don't know what she does now, The View or one of those things. But she, uh, yeah, she had a band, and this band was like her backing band that was there rehearsing. So that was kind of cool, and they were good, but. One day, we're there practicing. Now, we were all the rooms were fun because they they were all labeled. So they were called something different. They were all they were called different cities for some reason. I have no idea. I guess because maybe a tour you're touring on, or I don't know fucking what it was. But our room was the Miami room. I, I remember that. I don't remember all the rooms, but we were always in the Miami room because you'd come inside, go past the desk you know, down the short hallway, maybe about 10 feet, and you had to go left or right to the rooms. And we would go left, and like two doors down, it was straight ahead, we would run into the door. Like, it was on the, on the, you know, where the hallway turned. So we were right there. You could see, as soon as you made the left, you see the Miami door. Now, if you would have made a right, there's probably like five or six rooms you're going to pass first before you get to the the room that's like kind of in the same place as ours, but opposite, you know, on the whole other side of the building. Um, it's it, it's separated by a long ass hallway is what I'm trying to say. So we're in our room one day, uh, one evening, we're practicing and we're just jamming, we're doing our thing, running our set, whatever. And we take a break and uh, and come out and you know, we don't, we don't, we didn't take long breaks or anything like that because, you know, we were paying for it by the hour. So like our breaks would be like, okay, let's all go take a piss real quick. You know, whoever smoked cigarettes would go out and smoke a cigarette. Very rarely did we like have any beer or anything. So if we had beer, we would maybe all slam a beer and go back in. So we go back in and as we're just getting started, I think we maybe got into like one song, maybe two. And you know, as the song is over, before we start another one, we hear like a, a knock on our door, like someone's you know, trying to break it, like they're trying to get it, break in without just opening the door and interrupting us. 
So, you know, go and open it. Also, you could lock the doors too, so if you wanted to. Uh, so I open up, and it's this guy, Jimmy, that works there. He's a cool-ass dude, uh, super nice, always took care of us. He would uh, hook us up when he could, you know, give us discounts and stuff because we were there. So he's just he would help us set up our sound and stuff. He was a really, really cool dude. But he comes up, and he's like, hey, guys, um, I, I know this is uh, – this is going to sound crazy. I, I know. And uh, I, I don't expect you to, you know, be happy about this. But uh, Mickey Dolenz is down the hall rehearsing and he's uh, complaining that you guys are too loud. He's asked that, you know, I come and have you guys turn down. And we're like, wait, what? 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 There's so many things in that sentence that is like, wait, what did you just say? What's happening? Mickey Dolenz. Now, I don't expect a, a lot of people to even know who Mickey Dolenz is now, but if you're a little bit older than, you know, and maybe around my age or, or older, you'll know of a band called The Monkees. Hey, hey, we're The Monkees. And people say we monkey around. Uh, they were like a kind of a fake Beatles band, if you will, a, a parody of a Beatles band uh, that were called The Monkees, and they had a television show. And then they actually really did get popular with their music, so they just became a real band and were, were touring and stuff, and uh, had some records out. I have the the of course the the uh, pivotal "Hey Hey We're the Monkeys" on vinyl. I have two copies for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, I cherish them both. And so I used to actually I watched the Monkeys on Nickelodeon uh, when I was a kid because it was on during the day. And, uh, or it would be on one of our channels. I watched the shit out of the monkeys. I'd probably seen every episode of the monkeys like 14 times just because they re-ran them all the time and, you know, in blocks too. So you could watch like four episodes and be monkeyed out, man. Monkified, if you will. So I was kind of like, oh, fuck, Mickey Dolan's from the monkeys is here? And, uh, you know, and then first of all, let me paint the picture of what I look like at the time. Okay, so I have like, uh, long hair that's, uh, probably to my shoulders um, I have, uh, these big bushy, like not bushy, but big sideburns, you know, I had them growing out pretty good at the time chops. I had a labray piercing that I was, you know, I had, which is where the piercing that's right underneath your lip, uh, not through your lip. And I, and sometimes I would have like a, a ball on it, but sometimes I'd have this long ass spike on it and shit just look totally stupid and metal. And I was, you know, probably wearing Jinko jeans, all big baggy and like some stupid shirt. And I'm like, Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees is here? You know, like, uh, so, so, and everyone's kind of like, as we unpack it, he's like, yeah, he's here. He's doing a concert, you know, somewhere tomorrow. And, you know, so he's, they're rehearsing today and tomorrow before the show. And you guys are just too loud. Uh, you know, it's like in Back to the Future where Huey Lewis is like, sorry, you guys are just too darn loud. We were so, first of all, blown away by, once we got over our, you know, starstruck of Mickey Dolenz being in the house, uh, we then tackled the the um, request, and we said, "Jimmy, how can he hear us? We're he's at the you know room way he is at that room that's all the way down the hall, opposite of ours. There's so much space between us and him, so whatever he's hearing is coming down the hallway. But by the time it got there, it, it could not have been that much of a bother. We weren't you know we we weren't." you know, a uh, fucking motorhead blasting everything at 12 with 1100 amps or anything like that. We're just, you know, a regular band with regular stuff and we play loud because we love rock. So we were like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I just, I just told him I'd come ask you, but I did tell him that, you know, you guys are paying just like he is. So I can't force you to do anything. And uh, I was like, damn straight you can't so of course uh he's like so guys just do what you want with that and you know i could tell him i told you I'm like okay cool so as soon as the door shuts we pretty much look at each other and just are like so turn everything up right I'm like oh yeah we turn all the amps up like a you know a, a notch or two and then we crank the pa up to match that so everything is just so ridiculously loud in that room that's you know that room, the sound check rooms is probably where I, I damaged my hearing the most because it would be really loud in those rooms, and um, I hated wearing earplugs. Uh, I talked about that with uh, Triana the other day on our podcast, but yeah, so we basically uh, just played super ass loud, and 
we, we you know we did our whole practice when we were done we didn't come out of the room or anything the whole the rest of the time we just played loud and we were done we're putting up our shit and we come out there and we're like uh so what what happened jimmy did he uh is he still here or did we piss him off and he's like yeah no after you guys started again he just said he was gonna leave <laughs> it's like oh hell yeah so I guess he was going to come back the next day or whatever, but we uh, we ran Mickey Dolan's right out of that town, um, or at least right out of our, our practice space. So, um, yeah, so you just never know. You know, get weirdly connected to things. And, you know, it didn't put a, a bad taste in my mouth for the monkeys music. I don't think anything can. It was just so fun. But, uh, you know, I, I just would have to say, like, come on, dude. I know you're Mickey Dolan. I want to say, who do you think you are? Look, I know you're Mickey Dolan's, but... Uh, you know, you don't just, uh, you, you don't have any kind of clout to sway anybody back then or, or now, at least not us. So, uh, yeah, take that last train to fuck offsville, Mickey. We'll see you at the station. All right, there you go, man. You know, it, it could have been, I wish it would have ended differently. You know, I wish he would have invited us to come sit in with him in his show we could have been uh, honorary monkeys for one night but hey you know what just uh, wasn't in the cards i guess so anyway thank you guys for joining me for another episode i very much appreciate all that you uh do all of your support uh please jump on over to johnwayneisdead.com for all of your john wayne needs you could see the uh the john wayne is dead shop on there where you can order all of my books which are in stock uh john wayne is dead records t-shirts stickers all kinds of cool stuff i have on there and i send uh extra goodies and always take care of you when you order from me all of my books are also on amazon and kindle uh so if that's your jam please uh check me out there you can follow me Ugh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Wayne is dead. And uh, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash John Wayne is dead. And don't forget my new weekly podcast with Christopher Triana, Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne, every Thursday for free on every podcast uh, podcast app, whatever it is, and, and our YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for the support. I appreciate it. Have a great week. And uh, hey, hey, with the monkeys. And maybe we'll get out of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs>